In the following live session recording, Ovidia Cabrera, state missionary with Intercultural Church Planting and Mission Ministry with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, talks about how to engage Hispanics through understanding their culture. Understanding a culture is the best way to understand a people. And this session will help you interact with, engage, and witness to the Hispanic people in your area by understanding their culture. Let's join Ovidio now. Okay, I think it's time to start it. Uh, I would like to introduce myself. My name is Ovidio uh, Cabrera. Uh, I am original from Paraguay, South America. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Brother Dennis is my boss. Uh, he gonna help me with the class today. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I'm glad for you to take this class, this uh, stand. Uh, we go to talking about Bexi. Uh, we don't have a lot of time to speak about the Hispanic people but we got the basic information for you uh, in this conference, okay? Uh, I would like to pray before we start it. Uh, Brother Dennis, would you like to leave us? Father, we thank you so much for today, for this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that is before us to engage, Father, those who you have brought here, oh Lord, you brought to our state, and, and we just want to ask, Father, that you will open the doors so that we may present the gospel of Christ, so that we will see a great harvest for you, O Lord, and that you will be glorified, that as people come and they migrate, and even though they're looking, Father, for material prosperity, but, Father, that they will have, Father, uh, the honor and the glorious moment to know you, Father, as they come. Thank you for Brother Ovidio, and we ask that you guide us now in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. That's Amen. Well, uh, if you look in the, on the populations, the Hispanic population, you can see it. In 2018, almost uh, 600 million the Hispanic people in the United States. Almost. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot. In Georgia, uh, well, that's uh, the distribution, uh, the Hispanic population in the in, in United States. You can see it in the South. We are in the South. We can find it's the more population, 33% of the Hispanic population. And um, that mean is we need to reach these people for the for Christ. Yeah. Uh, in Georgia, oh, uh, you can see the population in Georgia is nine hundred twenty three. Uh, Hundred people. That's a lot in Georgia. Um, I would like to share with you about the difference be between Hispanic people here in the United States. For example, I am from Paraguay, 
uh, Brother Danny is from Honduras. Mm -hmm. grew, he grew up in, in New Orleans. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, we got people from South America, Central America, and um, from the United States. Yeah. Um, we got a lot of uh, difference uh, when we came in here. Uh, we saw the difference between Hispanic people. Yeah. For example, uh, the, the language. Mm. Uh, we speak Spanish, but the first time when I came to the United States, the pastor from Colombia, he used that one word uh, that in my country is, we don't use it, it's a bad word. <laughs> and all the time he said that word, and I say, why are you talking like that? You <laughs> <laughs> don't have to use that word <laughs> in my mind. I, I can concentrate about, uh, he talked to me, yeah? uh, because that word from a part of why is, we don't use it. Yeah? Uh, for example, uh, the Mexican people, uh, we use this, the most uh, popular uh, words, for example, uh, chavo. Chavo, uh, for Mexico, uh, Mexican people is, uh, is a little boy, or it's a younger uh, people. But in Paraguay, chavo, nothing. <laughs> I don't know what is in Honduras. Yeah, we, we use uh, chavo, we use uh, cipote, yeah. we use wirro, and so we, you know, there's... But the, the word chavo, what is in Honduras? What is chavo? Uh-huh. It's, it's almost like a, like a slang also to say, to call somebody, you know, who's, who's, uh -huh. who's young. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. But for a while, I never use that word. Because we're closer to Mexico, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in Central But America. that same word, chavo, for the Puerto Rican people is, is money. Money, yeah. yeah. If you're talking with a Mexican, it's, it's a boy or a younger people. But if you're talking to the Puerto Rican, it's, it's talking about yeah, money. Chavo. Yeah. Chavo. Yeah. Uh, why chavo? <laughs> <laughs> And that one is a uh, difference in the United States. For example, for me, I am from South America, uh, it's a lot of different world from Central America, uh, more Mexican people. Yeah. The first time uh, I used war uh, from, from my country, and the brother don't understand it. When I, when I go preaching, when I saw the brother looking like that, each other, I understand something is wrong. <laughs> I say something right wrong, right? That one is a problem uh, we have in the United States with the Hispanic people. Um, like American people want to work with the uh, Hispanic people, they have to aware that worse. Yeah? Uh, we can see uh, the problem, the, the one difference in between Hispanic people in the United States is the language. Yes. Yeah. The other problem is the religions. Uh, <clears throat> well, you can see uh, 
80%, 90% uh, they have a Catholic uh, background. But uh, they say, I am a Catholic, but I never go to the church. <laughs> <laughs> and the most Catholic people is Mexican people. The Mexican people, uh, we say uh, Guadalupe, la Guadalupana. The mean is uh, the Virgin, the, the Guadalupe. Mm -hmm. It's very famous in, in, in Mexico. But uh, um, from South America, I don't know, uh, Honduras or Guatemala, it's, it's not very, very strong uh, feeling Catholic. But they say that I am a Catholic, right? And that way, uh, that one is a different to uh, in the United States when we're working with the Hispanic people. And if you want to work with the Hispanic, uh, you need to worry about the, the Catholic. Um, sometimes the, the Catholic Church in the United States, uh, como se dice, los católicos americanos. Mm -hmm. American Catholic. American Catholic is different from yes. the... Uh, from Mexico, uh, from South America, yeah. because the American Catholic they got is like it's it's like here like uh, evangelical church. They got a Sunday school. They got uh, um, meetings, but in in Paraguay they don't have Sunday school. They got only the was it the misa? Mm -hmm. yeah. Sorry, the, uh, the mass. The yeah. mass. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that one is uh, another uh, difference uh, in the in the United States about the the religions. Uh, you got all the information. On the other information okay. is in no, 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 no. I know. Okay, I write it down. Okay. If it if, if it stays there, it stays there. If I write it down, it goes up here. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah. um, <clears throat> we can see that. Uh, is uh, talking about the religion, they are very uh, spiritualism people. Uh, uh, they strong, they say, I am uh, Catholic. Yeah, they're strong, but it's not really. They don't know about yet. Jesus, they don't know about God. Um, <coughs> the, we saw in, in our country, uh, our culture, about the uh, uh, some expression the voodoo and witchcraft. For example, uh, in every town we got the Hispanic uh, newspaper, and you can see the uh, announcement about the voodoo, mm. about the witchcraft in the newspaper, the Hispanic newspaper. Yeah. Because the Hispanic people is very suspicious uh, to practice uh, the voodoo or the witchcraft. Right. Um, the other thing is uh, negative life experience are usually playing on some suspicious, right? Um, must have uh, great respect uh, for the Bible. That one is very helpful. If you go and open the Bible, it's, it's very, uh, what do you say, uh, sagrado. Sacred, sacred, very sacred for for them because it's the words God and they listen. 
they got a Bible but they never read it. <laughs> they never use it. <laughs> like an awful lot of Anglos. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, about the family. Uh, it's very poor for the family is the the Hispanic uh, family is is very poor. Uh, the family is is including uh, second generation. They live all together. The grandpa, the uncle, is this very strong unit with the. Uh, and sometimes the family is very important in the other sense. Mm -hmm. They work in they living around the family. The decision that has to make is the family. Yeah. And that one is, is, is important for us to know if, if we like to ministry the, the Hispanic people. And the other thing is about the <coughs> uh, hospitality. All family is very, very uh, hospitality. Yeah. Uh, for example, uh, somebody uh, got the home and a lot of time, they don't have a problem to serve, put more food on the table, and to share the, the lunch, the breakfast, everything. That one is very, very, it's, 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 everybody's working. To the, to the family. Um, <clears throat> about the education, the education is, is very, uh, very important. Uh, for example, the first generation, for example, I am the first generation. Um, the most of the first generation came to the United States uh, they don't have a lot of uh, education. Uh, but we got first generation with educated people, professionals, but uh, most of the people, uh, uh, first generation is, they don't have any of those, they don't have a high school. They got only elementary grade. Mm -hmm. um, that's the point they they got a child when they came here they got only child on the field on the restaurant on the factory because they don't have education um on the second generation for example my son they don't have problem with speaking english the second generation they can speak very well english and sometimes they got a better job because they can relate it with the culture here. They can study here, they learn English, and they got uh, opportunity to uh, rise the education. And that one helped the, the second generation to get a third job. For example, uh, the first generation, the father working on the field, and the second generation, they're not working on the field anymore. Mm -hmm. They're working on the and a professional uh, job. Yeah. About the time, use the time. That one is <laughs> very poor with the Hispanic people too. Uh, here, the Anglo 
children. I don't know, and you are from Philippine background? Mm -hmm. I don't know what is in Philippine, but in, in Hispanic culture, the time is, you don't have to be on time. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the Philippines is the same way? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By United States, for example, 7.15 is the time you have to start. <laughs> <laughs> no, in, in the Hispanic culture, you have to, oh, let's, let's wear a lot, uh, like maybe 10 more minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that one is, uh, sometimes it's difficult as if the agriculture is working with the Hispanic people, sometimes they may frustrate it to the, to the, the, yeah. the relationship with the Hispanic people. Um, <coughs> uh, one time, uh, <laughs> if somebody invites you uh, to the party, they say 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. If you be on time, it's nobody there. And <laughs> <laughs> um, that means it's really, is, is, is this a three? Probably is like five mm -hmm. or six yeah. p.m. <laughs> if you go on time, it's probably you have to work to make that. Help set up. <laughs> <laughs> set up everything. Yeah. Uh, another uh, difference uh, I saw here in the United States between Ian Paraguay too, uh, is about the leadership, uh, type the leadership. Uh, we use a word, uh, the old word is caudillo, the mean is leader, leader, but it's uh, example, I saw the many brothers from Guatemala. Uh, one of the brothers is, 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 is like the caudillo, is the leader. If I spoke to the leader, if I, I go to ganar a leader, como se dice? If I can win the leader. Be the leader, you got many people. That, that one is very important. Right. That's the way the Hispanic people sometimes they saw the pastor like a cabillo. And they follow the pastor. The pastor is the, they uh, got the, the war. Yeah. That one is, it's not good, but it's helpful for, <laughs> for the pastor, to help the pastor, right? Um, Another thing is about uh, the passionate people. That one is very, uh, the Hispanic people is put uh, hard. Uh, I remember if in our church, if we, we use the music, it's not taught the heart. They don't, they don't like it. And they have very passionate to. And, and that one is this. This important you uh, for the Hispanic people, English, right? 
Um, I would like brother Danny help me to explain a little bit more about the description, the generations. Okay. Yeah. Okay, man. Let's see. Thank you. You want to use the Hello, I'm Denis Rivera. I am, I am a mess. Let me give you the, the culture background. I was born in Honduras and then moved to New Orleans with the Cajuns. <laughs> then I was, grew up with a Cuban stepfather and he was very Espanol because he, they migrated from Spain to Cuba. <laughs> so, so anyway, but uh, I've been uh, serving uh, in the southern part of the state with Hispanics and doing church planting, starting churches. And, um, and so we do all different kinds of ministries. We do conferences for Hispanic churches and we do Hispanic camps and that kind of thing. And, and uh, it's interesting because you, you have 26 Spanish-speaking countries and then we decide to meet in the U.S., see? And yet, when we get to the U.S., they call us all Mexicanos. <laughs> Say, where are you from? I said, Honduras. What part of Mexico is that in? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, everybody Hispanic, everybody Mexicano, or everybody Puerto Rican. Do you speak Sp uh, Mexicano? You speak Mexicano, <laughs> you don't say Spanish anymore, you speak Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> you speak Spanish, you speak Mexicano. <laughs> yeah, and so it's, uh, it's very interesting. But, you know, I think one of the, I guess, the, the beauties that we have, and if we want to engage the culture, uh, the people, uh, I, I think it is, uh, it is very, very important uh, to understand these differences that you have mm -hmm. Puerto Ricano and then you have Mexicano and you got people from Guatemala and you have people from Peru and uh, and then you have South Americans and you have all these people uh, and uh, and that, that we are even though we have a common language we do have our unique and distinctive cultures. Guatemala and Mexico are bordering countries. In Mexico, you eat jalapeños, but you don't eat jalapeños in Guatemala. <laughs> See? And even though we're neighbors, we are different. Um, some of the religious expressions that we have, uh, I think, are very uh, in order to engage them, I think, uh, are, are critical to understand, okay? Because uh, there is the person that when they migrate, they are, they are prepared, they prepare them before they migrate because they understand that there is a fear that if you cross the border, you may lose your religion. Mm. So, the family members, they're happy that you're going to cross the border, whether you're going to come here legal or, uh, or illegal. Because the, 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 the majority of people, especially maybe not this year or the year before last, but the previous year, when everything was kind of calm around here a little bit, the mindset was, you are migrating 
to save my family. See, and, and, and so the person who migrated to become the savior of an entire community. Right. See, and so when people migrated, that's the mindset that they brought in. And that's why if they had to work three jobs and sleep on the floor, it was fine with them. They already knew that. Because the, the goal was not to have comfort on this side of the border, but rather that their families be well taken care of back home. So there are people who are picking onions in Vidalia, Georgia, and you said, poor people, but he may have a brick home with three, uh, three bedrooms and two baths back home that he's already built. And his family is, very, is, is, is being taken care of because that was the objective of him coming. See, the objective was never uh, to, uh, to come here and to settle and, and to make it. Now, in previous years, because of all of the political uphill in, in our countries, the mindset has changed. Now you come with the whole family. Mm -hmm. But before, you had a lot of single guys who migrated, and the reason they migrated, they left them because it was, I'm just going to, and some even had specific objectives. I'm going to go to build my house back here, and then I'm coming back. Others, it was, I'm going to buy a vehicle, and then come back and start my business. You see, so, and, and then some of those dreams through time, they kind of faded. But that was the, the original, the, the intent to migrate was for that specific purpose. To, to better yourself, but in your own homeland. But now, you know, it's, it's, it's some of the, especially in Mexico, I mean, there, there are places that after six o'clock you cannot be in the streets because of all the shooting in between the, the uh, drug lords and the military and th that kind of thing. Uh, sometimes uh, we hear from some of our Mexican pastors pray for us because the whole city is in lockdown. Nobody can get out. You know, it's, that kind of thing. And, and so we have seen through the years, in the last maybe three, five years, that that has been more, of an, more aggressive than in, in previous years. So the migrant has changed because now it's the whole family. I mean, some are is so desperate that they're sending their children mm -hmm. so they can be saved, you know. And so that's, that, that's what some of the issues that we're dealing with now social trends that we have. And so uh, it is a great opportunity. I think that there's probably people, there are probably more people coming to know Christ on this side of the border than on the other side, mm. especially Mexico. Now Mexico, because it's our, our, our border country, uh, is probably the most Catholic of any other country, you know. Uh, it's um, and one of the reasons uh, is because in in the mindset and in the in in the culture of in, in Mexico uh, to be to be in uh, religion and culture are one and the same. See, so in other words, if somebody says, 
Okay, I'm Mexicano, I'm Mexican. That means that you are Catholic and that you are a follower of the Virgin Guadalupe. That's what it means. And so, and everything is integrated with the names. You know, Jesus, Jesus is the most popular name in Mexico. Jesus, Maria. See, all of those names. And it's all submerged into, it's, it's all into the same. So it's not separated, it's all together. One of the interesting things happens when the national Mexican team plays, they have a special mask and they dress baby Jesus with the Mexican uniform. I mean, that's a religious girl, you know? And so when people migrate, it's, it's hard for us to understand and how to separate the two, see? But, but in the mind, that's, that's, that's what's there. The other thing that I, I want to add uh, to, the, to the great work that Emmanuel Video has done is this concept of religion, okay? There is some no-nos. If we're going to engage the culture, there has to be some things. We need to know that there are some things we cannot cross. If, if our objective is to reach the people for Jesus, to tell them about Christ, there's some things you do not, you do not say. One of the things you do not say, you don't talk about the Catholic Church. You would write on that. Do not talk about the Catholic Church. If you talk about the Catholic Church, that conversation, that opportunity is gone. Do not talk about the Pope. Okay? Do not talk about the Pope. If you start talking about the Pope or going against it, you just close the opportunity to minister to them. Okay, and and I guess one of the one of the things that I think it is important is, you know, one of the main reasons why uh, people are coming to know Christ more on this side of the border is because when people migrate, they find themselves in need. See, they're in a different culture, they're in a different language. And they're, and they're lacking those things. And if someone comes along and helps them, you just open an opportunity to present Christ. In other words, they don't know, they really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So if you show them love, if you help them, you know, the opportunity. In other words, help first and the opportunity to present the gospel will come. Don't present the gospel uh, at front, but show them that you can help them with after school progress. Help them to assimilate with the English language. Have some tutoring, classes for their children, and the opportunities will come. Translations. Translation. Translation. Go to the hospitals. You know, one of the things uh, the Lord gave me the, the privilege, and Brother Ovidio has had the same experience in church planting. Uh, I, I was on, uh, on staff at First Baptist Church uh, by Delia. A lot of migrants, a lot of farming, and what I would do, I would just pack the vehicle with clothes 
and I would go to the trailer parks. I didn't even tell them who I was. I said, I'm here to give you clothes, free clothes. And the whole trailer park just, and then they would ask me, what time is your service? These are Catholic people. What time is your service? Is it, is it, is it in Spanish? We would like to come. Because they, they saw that I took the initiative to care for them, you know? And that gave us opportunities. And then we started English as a second language classes and, and other ministries and other ministries. And, 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 and the Lord, just like in the book of Acts, you know, he continued to adding those who were being saved. In four months, we, and, and I'm gonna use a, a very Southern expression here, we were running, I don't know how to get that one from, but we were running 150 people in four months. It was the Spirit of God. Yeah. Cool. See? The Spirit of God. And I'm Southern, I don't, I don't, and I don't get where that, you don't that get comes the, from. The running? Yeah. yeah. You're fixing to? Fix it to you, I can understand, uh, okay, but running. Yeah, we're running 150 in Sunday school. They're all running, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Going to the Olympics. <laughs> so, so anyway, and, and so, so do not talk about the Catholic Church. You know, don't talk about the Pope. Just help people. If you see them in need, help them. Approach them. Yeah, Virgin Mary. Don't don't talk. None of those religious things. Just just leave them, leave them aside. Now, then the other thing also that I want to add to what Ovidio has said already is that because people, if you, if you ask them, do not ask them, are you a Christian? Because they're going to say, yes. Do not ask them that. What you do want to ask is, when was it that you received Christ in your heart? That changed everything. <laughs> and so if the typical 99.9% .9 of the time, this is what they're going to tell you, I've always been a Christian. Mm -hmm. Now you know they're not. <laughs> now you know they're not. You know. And so, and, and so that's, and related to religion, okay, the fact that somebody says is Catholic, you must not s just say, okay, that means you're Catholic, that means you worship Mary or you worship Guadalupe and you believe in the Pope. Because in our culture, and Brother Ovidio alluded to this, it is a syncretism. It is a combination of Catholicism with something else. Okay, my um, my my stepfather was Cuban, you know. And you ask you ask anybody ask him, are you Christian? He said yes. And he had this in Cuba. There's there's San Lazaro, which is the guy in the in the crutches. He's he's a saint. Okay, and then you have La Caridad del Cobre, which is the Virgin for Cuba. He was a jeweler by trade, but that's how he made his living. 
And they would sell these little beads, black beads. See, now he, he said he's a Christian, see. These black, these black beads like that, that you put on the babies, that way people do not cause any harm to the baby. Mm. But either you have a strong sight, it's all these things mixed together, you see. Uh, and then if you were having a rough time, a bad time, then you get a cigar and you smoked it and then you put it right where San Lazaro was with the crushes. Like, did you see that? No, that's Christian, you see, that's Catholic, but it's combined with. And so in Catholicism, there is this syncretism. And, and so you don't know what that person's background is going to be. And so you might want to ask, you know, say, okay, you believe that? Tell me a little more. Okay. We were in Mexico City, uh, and they were doing a culture orientation for, for us. And we were, there was a group from Georgia, South Carolina, Kentucky, and Alabama. And we spent almost two weeks in Mexico City. And just, they just told us all about Mexico. They talk about migration, they talk about religion, and it's this syncretism. So one of the things, we were in El Zócalo, which is this big plaza in, in Mexico City. Uh, that's where they, they celebrate the New Year's and all the celebrations and independence and all of that. And, and so there was a group of a, a, a tribe that had come from Puebla, Mexico. And this, this is very common, this is, this is typical. So you have all these this indigenous groups that come to Mexico City and they perform and everything. But everything is religious. So we asked uh, our tour guide and I said, okay, what is happening here? Because these guys were up in this pole with, with drums way up there. And they were hitting the drums. And there were guys who were hanging from their feet. They were tied and they kept going around like a piñata, going around and around and around and around from the top all the way to hit the ground. And we said, what's happening here? And he said, well, they are calling upon gods, the gods, and they're hitting the drums. And these guys who are coming down, hanging from their feet, <coughs> they're bringing the blessings Okay, and when they hit the ground, that means that the ground is going to be fertile. Very, very cultic kind of thing, you know. And so we ask, okay, what does the Catholic Church think of this? He said, no, there, there's, there's nothing to think about. They are our brothers. In other words, it's syncretism. It's tied together. It's, it's all together. It's mixed in there. Because, they said, the only thing that the Catholic Church requires is for you to baptize the infants and for you to attend Mass whenever you can. And if you do those two things, you're part of the brethren. That's it. <laughs> Interesting. So, so, and those are the people who migrate. Those are the people who are here, see? And so when somebody says it's a Christian, it's an opportunity for us maybe to just to ask questions politely and say, okay, tell me a little bit about your faith, you know. And, and, and I, so it, it's, it's all a combination of, of, of these things. Okay, 
Now, do you have any questions that we can in, entertain? Any questions that you may have? No preguntas. No preguntas. Okay. No hay preguntas. Okay. Muy bien. Okay, we're going to talk about this. This uh, first generation is, is very important. It's very important that we understand. Because first generation is not related to the time that you are in this country. Okay? In other words, you could have come here in the 70s and you still are considered first generation. Okay, there are people, I met a lady from Colombia. She had been here like 30 years, living in the United States. And she did not know that no was no, in Spanish and in English. Why? Because she lived in a Hispanic world, 100%. In other words, first generation means that you have very limited assimilation into the local culture. You could be here 50 years, you could be here 70 years, and you're still eating food from back home, you're still watching the TV programs from back home, you're still watching, you know, hearing the news, I think, it, I think that one is very strong too. Yes. Because that yeah. one is yeah. and, most and, and of my and you situation see, too because I am from the first generation and sometimes it's difficult for me. It's difficult for us, yes. Yeah. It's difficult because we, it has to deal not with the time that you've been in this country, but it has to deal with the assimilation that you have done in this country. You see the difference? See, I can take you to Honduras where I'm from, and you're in Honduras and you still eat uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and you still drink sweet tea, but you're in Honduras. You watch CNN in English in Honduras, Fox News, you got cable television, all you watch is ESPN, you know, and when you go out and eat, you go to Burger King. But you're in Honduras. <laughs> and then you go to the supermarket and they got bread and cheese and ham and, you know, fried chicken. You see what's happening? You have not really embraced any of the local culture. Mm. And that's the same thing that happens here. Um, I was reading something the other day that um, the Hispanic buying power in the United States is billions of dollars, okay? And Walmart has done a, in a tremendous job. I mean, you go to Walmart, like in Warner Robins where I live, there's like one, two, almost three aisles of Hispanic products. Tortillas, jalapeños, I mean, you name it. Doritos. Doritos, drinks from Mexico. Right. El Jarrito. Jarrito. Yeah. You want pan, conchas, they call them conchas. Conchas. Mm -hmm. The sweet bread. 
that war is that war in Paraguay. I know. In Paraguay, yeah. 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 Do you see what's happening? So the business, the industry is not helping, even though they say, we don't want Hispanics here. But if you go to Walmart, if you go to the supermarkets, if you go through the dealerships, se habla español. Yeah. You go to the bank, español. What is happening? We are not helping the people to assimilate because everything, and then you go home. You can get over 60 something channels through DirecTV or DishNet at home in Spanish. Some from your home, I, I, I mean, I watch sometimes news from Honduras. I watch it every day, live. <laughs> see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Do you see what's happening? So I, what I see is that the more we go, the less assimilation people are gonna have because you're making my life comfortable so that I won't have to so learn English. Yeah. And then if you, if you go to some of the major cities, like in Miami, people come, Cubans come, they don't want to leave Miami. Why? Because it's like Cuba. <laughs> they play domino under the trees. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. They were playing domino in the mall. Why, you see? So first generation has to do with the, with the level of assimilation that you make in the local culture. So if we're gonna engage that first generation, try to make it like, home, like back home. Find out what's, what's the nerve, what hits the nerve. One of the things that we have learned through the years is to celebrate Independence Day of their country. We have brought little flags from Mexico. <laughs> we have brought piñatas. Try to make it a home away from home culture. If we're going to reach the first generation, because they're not assimilating. Mm -hmm. The other thing about first generation is that they're still thinking about back home. Because when they came, the mindset was, I'm gonna be here three years, five years, and then they got married, they had children, the children are in school, and time has flown by and they're still here. But the mindset is always back home. When they get up in the morning, they don't watch the news. They don't, they don't, they don't see you know, what's going on with the local news. No, they see what's going on back home every day. I've been in this country for 42 years and I still open La Prensa every day in Honduras. LaPrensaHN.com. <laughs> and I'm here 42 years. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm always thinking, it, it's like Israel captive and they're always thinking about Jerusalem. Yeah. It's the same concept. 
even though they're not involved in that in that back home, but the first generation, he, their mind is always to go back home. My mother has been here for 50-some years, and you still talk to her, and I talk to her, I say, well, he said, when I'm retired, I said, Mom, you're very retired. I'm gonna go back to Honduras. See, that, that, that's still there, it's still fresh. But that Honduras that she left, it doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> See, so the first generation, one of the big differences is their mind is not here. First generation, he's back home. So the, going back again, and I repeat this again, the more that you make it look more like home, the more effective you're gonna become in reaching them and engaging the them first in the generation. Gospel. Yes. Yes. One of the things that we do in, in our church, and we do it in, in uh, October, uh, we have El Dia de la Hispanidad, you know. Uh, the NBA has los los uh, los Spurs, los los Suns, los you know, and they integrate the. And so in our church, you'll see the ladies come with the beautiful dresses from back home, from Republic of Dominican Republic, from Panama, from Honduras. It's a home away from home thing. Why? Because they're first generation. So if you're gonna reach, it's almost like reaching the Filipinos, you know, you're gonna do it in, do it in Tagalog and have pan de sal and have empanadas. Because it's common among the different cultures, you know. I was talking to a Filipino pastor, a friend of mine, and I was telling him, one of my, my, my son's friends, you know, he's, he's second generation, but his parents are still have not assimilated, even though they're engineers, but they're still first generation because they haven't assimilated. I mean, I learned the English to go to college, but I'm still who I am. I'm still in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. So we invited him to the house, and my grandmother had made tamales, okay? So he tried the tamales, and she said, I said, I said Michael, did you like the tamales? He said, I loved everything except for the, the green thing. He ate the leaf <laughs> that was wrapped in the tamal. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, he ate the whole thing. <laughs> oh, I said, we forgot to tell you, that's a leaf that is just wrapped around the tamal. <laughs> so, so, so for, and the majority of people that are here are first generation. Not because they've been here 20 years. Right. It's because they haven't assimilated. And we're not making any, any difficult See, when I came to the United States, it was, you had to learn English. Right. But now? No. Not, now it's, I mean, we didn't have, we didn't have, uh, you know, all the internet and all that stuff. We didn't have none of that. So you had to learn the language. You had to do it. But now, they, you know, they accommodate. You go online and do your <laughs> high school in Spanish now. <laughs> You see, and so the more, the more you see out there. I remember when we used to live in Tifton, which is south of, you know, and we lived there for 13 years, and and there were no Hispanic policemen in Tifton. Now I think they have like four or five of them. 
So if somebody gets stopped, ¿cómo está? Mucho gusto. <laughs> I mean, even the cops, you know, speak Spanish now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And it's, it's the same way on the courthouse. Mm -hmm. They got an interpreter now. Yeah. Before, in the past, if they, the Hispanic people go to the court, they have to look at somebody out to trust away for him. And has to pay that mm -hmm. yeah. interpreter. But now, in every courthouse, they are uh, verified uh, interpreter. Yeah. We got. Immediate. Uh, Oh, okay, good. So, so first generation is what we have the most. Okay, now, uh, and and I'm I'm gonna give a little bit of my my opinion here because people I keep hearing this about that we need second generation churches among Hispanics, and I I tend to defer a little bit, and let me tell you why. Because. Our cultural roots are so deep, okay? Our cultural roots are so deep that in, in the family is, is, is one, mm -hmm. as you mentioned. And, and because we have a lot of young people in our church that were born here, they, you know, they're not going anywhere. And, and even though they, they even mispronounce Spanish, they don't even know how to read a Spanish Bible or. or the bulletin can really, but I want to be with my mom. See, so what the church needs to do, the church needs to make adjustments to provide for them opportunities. Like our Sunday school teacher in my church, he's an Anglo, born in Macon. Why? Why is he being effective? Because they, he speaks their language. <coughs> See, he speaks their language. Their, their hard language is not Spanish. <coughs> their culture is Spanish. But the language is English. That's their hard language. Even though, you know, we, we look like Mayans or Aztecs, whatever it is that we look like. But our, but our, our culture, you know, and when they go eat, they eat tacos after church. They go to the Chinese restaurant, whatever, all the Mexicanos go. Why? <coughs> Why they don't go to Burger King? They don't know how to say, I don't like hamburger. Give me a taco. A tortilla. See, they were born here. I would like to ask him, George, second generation, yeah. and how are you feeling about the, you still uh, like the Filipino? Yeah, because our parents are first generation. Uh -huh. So they basically, like, you know, raise us in their culture. Yes. So, like, we have, like, the Filipinos, they have something similar to quinceañera. Quinceañera. It's like a debut. So when you turn 18, they feel great. Party. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. It's very similar. Yeah, you know? similar. The Filipinas was part of the New Spain, you know, that's what's called all the Mexico and all of that was part of the New Spain. So we, we have very similar, very similar roots. So 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 most of our folk as first generation, I think that that is important to understand. Okay? And that their heart language is still Spanish. The heart language is Spanish. If you're gonna reach them, you gotta reach them in the heart language and it's gonna be Spanish. I'm gonna give you a good resource, okay? It's called Bible.is. It's an app, you can download it on your phone, Bible.is. And it has, because we, you cannot separate language, you cannot separate language from first generation, okay? In South and, in South and Central Georgia, I was able to identify between eight to 10 different dialects, indigenous languages, of people who came from Guatemala and Mexico. In the culture orientation that we had in Mexico City that was done by their seminary, they identified that there are over a hundred different indigenous languages between Guatemala and Mexico. And some of the people are here. Mm. So we cannot assume that because they're from Mexico and they're from Guatemala that, th that they're going to speak Spanish. They, they probably will speak Spanish, but it's not the hard language. Mm -hmm. And if people are going to grow spiritually, it has to be done in the hard language. Mm. Yes. So this, this Bible that is, is a wonderful resource. All you have to do is download it on your phone. Uh, and, and it has, they have pretty much translated all the indigenous languages of both of these two countries. IS or IZ? IS. Okay. Bible that is. So you can go, you can go in here and let me, I'm just gonna show you real quick here. With this. I don't know how we're going to record this, but they can talk to me later. <laughs> See, you can go to Mexico, so there's an assumption that you're, you're Mexico, Mexicano, Espanol. That is not true. And in Guatemala, in Guatemala, the country says we speak 23 languages. Wow. 23 languages. Official languages. Okay. Wow. They re so in other words, they recognize. Recognize those. Yes, wow. they recognize them. Yes, they do. And so, um, let me give you, I'm gonna put here country. Of course, so you see, Filipino. <laughs> and you hit, you hit the Philippines, and it's all the language of the Philippines. Tagalog and all of the yes, other, all of that. Look at that, look at that. 64 languages. Look at that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and then you go to Mexico. You go Mexico now. You go Mexico. Mexico, see? Mexico. Look at that. Look at that. Wow. Look at that. Wow. <laughs> and they've all been translated already. Wow. Now let me give let me let me give a, a brief testimony. This is a Korean Christian became a friend of a lady from Mexico. I think she was from I think she was from Oaxaca or, or Chiapas, I don't remember. But anyway, she brought it into our church in Warner Roberts. Now, I'm not the pastor there, but Pastor Manuel is the pastor. 
And and so she she brought her there and she I said, Where where are you from? I said, Mexico. And I said, uh, you want to read Spanish? I showed her the Bible, you know. He said, No, I don't understand, no entiendo. I said, What language do you speak? And she was shocked that I asked her. I said, well, and she told me the name and I looked I looked for it, it was there. Okay? And so guess what happened? Like for instance, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you uh, and, and there are different uh, variations. Let me see if I can get this thing here to go here. Okay? And so, as the pastor was preaching and saying the verses, I was, I was looking them up, and then she would hear it in her own language, in her art language. And when the pastor gave the invitation, she got up to give her life to Oh. Right here they are, right? <laughs> so just about every language in the world is right here. Every indigenous language in this country is here, it's already been translated. It's right here. See? And so it's a uh, Misteko. Acts chapter 2. Mm. They can read it and they can hear it. Okay. Alright. So, if we move now to the, to the other group of folks, which is the second generation. Okay. The second generation. No tengo la hoja aquí o la anda perdida. No la tengo aquí. First generation. Oh, al revés. Okay. Okay. Now, let me. And this is. Uh, I learned this from Dr. Moon. He used to be a professor at Southwestern Seminary. And I, I kind of agree with what he said because he said, I believe that there is a 1.5 generation instead of going to a full-blown second generation. And he said, and, and he, he looked at me and he said, you are 1.5 generation. Mm -hmm. And then he even split the 1.5 generation. He said, you are a 1.5 with Spanish preference and there is a 1.5 with English preference. Mm before you get to the second generation. Because sometimes we, again, when we say generation, that we, we're thinking that the person <coughs> has, has made a complete, um, my son is completely different than I am, because he was born here. But it, again, it goes back to the assimilation thing. See, everything is related to, to assimilation. And so, a second generation usually uh, has been influenced by the first generation. Like those kids that we have in most of our churches. They've been influenced, okay? And, uh, and so they, um, but their heart language is different. Their heart language, if not taught early, their heart language is going to be English. It's not going to be 
español. See? My boys, we have, I have, we have three boys, and those boys, they all have English fighters. So I said, when you get to high school, I want you to take Spanish. Because you, your ear is already in tune to the language, okay? But your grammar is absent. It's the same thing with you. That's right. So the grammar is absent. Your ear is in tune to Tagalog, but you speak English. And you eat empanadas. <laughs> right? Ah, I see they're laughing. Ah, yeah. My boy loves tacos. Yeah? Tacos al pastor. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, a, he's a, in school at LSU. You figure. <laughs> so, and his boys are at UGA. Yeah. One in North, North Georgia, there are two at UGA. Okay? But, they eat Peru, uh, uh, Paraguayan food. They like empanadas too. They like empanadas too. There you go. You see? So it's, it's this mixture. It's, it's not a full-blown second generation that has a, now you're going and you're American and no. No, no, no. The culture is too strong. It's too, too strong. My boys, when Honduras place where I'm from, they put the uniform. You have a good night, man. It's the same part. You put, it you put it too. <laughs> <laughs> when the Olympics come, and they're born, they, they have no ties except that I'm from there. You know? Yeah. My born, uh, they were born in Georgia. I grew up in Louisiana, and everything in Louisiana. I said, when are you going to support anything in this state? You were born here. We pay taxes here. <laughs> All dressed up in LSU and the Orleans Saints. I said, it's dangerous to dress up here. <laughs> so anyway, so, so that second generation, I have some. When I was doing the, the uh, doctoral project, I did not call them second generation. I called them the children of the immigrants. I thought it was a better definition. The children of the immigrants. Because our boys, even though, and you look at them, and they, one of them looks Hispanic, the other two, they don't look Hispanic. If you take a picture of them, I don't know if it's the water here, or the sweet tea, or the grits that they grew up with. But then his kids don't look Hispanic either. You know? They don't. You, you look at the face and say, who's, who's Hispanic there? No, you know. But you know, all time uh, in the college, my uh, oldest son, he's Hispanic. Uh, one of the guys told him, hey, you're a Mexican. They call him in Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I'm not a Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, that, that's, uh, those are some of the entries. So, so that, that second generation to me would be maybe their children mm -hmm. you know, if they don't preserve some of those, you know, cultural traits. They would be that third generation, I would consider them that. Second generation. True, true second generation. Yes. Now, if you live in Texas, 
you never leave. <laughs> you're gonna be tacos at, at the Shell station whenever you go for the rest of your life. So you're gonna be all the same. You know, and, and that is it, that's the truth. That's that's what you know what it is. If you stay within the culture, you you're gonna you know, hey abuela, you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. Three, four, five, you know. My my uh, my nephew, you know, he, he they live in New Orleans and he's seven, just started first grade, and uh, he would call my, my mom and said, Abuela! That's, that's the third generation. And he's already calling her Abuela. You know, Abuela! Come over here now! <laughs> <laughs> and that's, so, it has to, the influence of the culture has, has a lot to do with mm -hmm. that future generation as well. So my suggestion to you is take a, what we call a holistic approach to the culture, to minister to them. Do not separate them. Provide training for the whole family at one place. Think about Walmart. Think about Walmart. At the, in the same place you can get sweet tea, you can get eggs, you can get mangoes, you can get peaches and apples and fruit, and you can get Hispanic products all in the same place. See? Think about that. Can you imagine if the church did the same thing? There's one thing that I've learned in 22 years of working with Georgia Baptist and doing church planting. And I tell this to all the church planters, ethnic church planters. The field, if you, if you want to write something down, write this down. The field will dictate your strategy. In other words, you're not coming to, to reach Hispanics or Filipinos. Let, find out what lives in your community and let the community dictate what you, how you want to minister. Because you can say, you know, we're going to reach Hispanics. Learn, let's learn. Let's let's teach English. And it may be that there all those people came from Arizona and New Mexico, and just because they look Hispanic, so English is not really going to help you in any way. See what I'm saying? So the field dictates your strategy. How are you going to penetrate that community? The field will tell you how you're going to do it. It may be, and we have one, one mission in this state. <coughs> Bless you. We have one mission down in, in, in Grady County, which is Cairo. Okay. Okay. Pastor Arnaldo has done a tremendous job in working with some of these indigenous groups, okay? Instead of saying, you know, we're going to have somebody to translate here when I, when I preach in Spanish, he has a Sunday school in Sotzin. He's trained somebody, wants somebody to Christ, and equipped him, and now he teaches Sunday school in Sotzin. Not Spanish in the heart language. language of the people. Why? 
because the field dictates how you're going to minister to them. So it is critical to assess the community. You need to assess the community. And that has to be a constant. You have to assess the community. Let me give you a name. His name is Tom Kreitz. He serves in our research department. And he can give you a list of surnames within a mile or two miles in your community. I'll forget, I'll remember that, I'll remember that. Tom Kreitz. T. Kreitz at gabaptist.org. And he can give you a list of all the Hispanic people who live within a mile, two miles, three miles, five miles, whatever you want, around your, your, your church. Okay? And he will give you the list of names with the addresses. You can start praying for them. And you can go visit them. You can ask them, what, what do you need? We're here in the community. What do you need? Instead of trying to hit bullseye, see if we hit it or not, they said, just ask the people what they need. They may say, you know what I need? I need someone to take me to the doctor. Hey, there's a transportation ministry then. You know, I would love if you can pick up my kids to go to Sunday school. Bus ministry. Instead of saying, let's try this and let's try the other thing. See? One of the things that, that we picked up when we were in Vidalia was that people needed recreation. They were desperate for recreation. Their parents were working hard and they didn't have any time. So guess what? We started a church in a youth building that had ping pong tables, he had futbolito, he had a volleyball net in the back, and people came at 11 o'clock and they didn't leave until 4 o'clock. Mm. Hit the nail on the head. Every community is different. So try to assess the needs of the community. Any preguntas? No questions? You mean after all of this? No preguntas? <laughs> <laughs> Next time bring some empanadas. <laughs> <laughs> that some empanadas with huevo inside. Yeah. Heck. Yeah. Those are good. They know it's good. Hermanos, thank you very much for coming. We're here to serve you, Hermano Video. He's down in the Savannah area, in that part of the state, and right now I'm kind of serving kind of statewide, and we're here to, to help you and to walk with you in anything that we can help you. So, my name is Danny Rivera, Rodrigo Cabrera, and uh, thank you very much. You don't have any questions? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. God bless.